Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 32 of DM Discussions, the podcast for players and DMs alike, where we cover a wide variety of topics to help you with your games. I'm your host, Ryan Reeder, and with me, as always, is my good buddy, Ben Baumhofer. How are you doing this evening, Ben? I am doing absolutely fantastic, Ryan. It is a pleasure to be here, and boy, howdy, do we have some fun stuff to talk about tonight. We do have some fun stuff to talk about tonight. I'm actually super pumped for this one, because... The first half is is kind of our um, exciting side <laughs> of things because uh, not only are we going to we're, we're going to talk about session zeros mm-hmm. in depth, uh, and not only are we going to talk about them, we actually lived one just earlier this week. So we've got a lot of really fun, fresh things in our mind to talk Basically, about. Basically, we just want to gush about how much fun we had. Yeah, like, pretty much. <laughs> it, it worked out great. I was just, uh, it was probably what, two weeks ago at least. I was like, let's do session zero. We're going to have one. And then after the session zero, I was just like, oh my gosh, I can't <laughs> wait to wait to actually like jump in and talk about this in depth. This is, this exactly. is going to be really good. Exactly. And, and interestingly enough, uh, once after we talk about session zeros, we're also going to cover um, the topic of burnout. And so it's, it's kind of, <laughs> It's kind of one of those it's, it's like both, both ends of the spectrum, yeah, really. Both ends of the spectrum, <laughs> really. The 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 two pronged uh, session zero, yeah, D and D burnout. <laughs> it's a thing. So. Which, uh, you know, next episode, just to give you a heads up, we're gonna do session one burnout. So you know, super excited for session zero. Play the first session, done with the game. That, that's how we're going to do this. That's how a lot of campaigns go. So we're going to prep you with that as best as we can. Yeah, yeah. This is, and this is, hey, that's a good transition. So let's, let's talk about session zero. Because session zero, um, for those of you that don't know, it's, it's kind, of, uh, kind of an unofficial thing. Not all campaigns do them. But in a lot of ways, they're incredibly important because they can lay a lot of the groundwork for really the entirety of your campaign. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a lot of different things you can do for a session zero. So we're just going to kind of give you the full rundown. You don't have to do everything. Uh, you might pick and choose what's good for your group or what's interesting. Um, but first off session zero. So you've gotten together, you've got a few friends, you got a person who's willing to DM Okay, uh, session zero can start even before you guys meet. This can be in a text chain. This can be in a Discord discussion. This can be in a Facebook group chat, any sort of like group conversation, even if you're not all together. Mm-hmm. Um, and usually the first thing you'll want to do is basically lay the groundwork of this is the type of campaign I want to run, whether it be here's a module. I'd like to do. Here is a homebrew system I'd like to do. Uh, What are your thoughts? Is everyone interested in this? Exactly. And that is the most important thing when starting out any sort of campaign because, you know, you don't want to create something and then find out that, you know, three sessions in, it's the thing that nobody wanted to play in the first place. But as some people believe, any D&D is better than no D&D or, you know, tabletop RPG, however you want to call it. So they'll just kind of jump into whatever they can find. But if it turns out that, you know, I want to run a, a, a massive sci-fi epic 
but Ryan, you're all into fantasy. It's not going to work out as well. You know, you might still, you know, have fun and enjoy it, but it's not really going to be hitting all those notes that you're looking for in a game. So being completely open with your players and talking about it and, you know, maybe making some compromises on, on, you know, what you're doing, you know, maybe how in depth you're going to go into combat versus RP um, setting, you know, restrictions on classes, things like that. You know, it, I, I would actually absolutely hate it if all of a sudden uh, I am a fighter and it's a very magic heavy game. Every single person we're going to fight against is going to be, you know, mind controlling and doing different things, throwing out spells when I basically hit stuff with the sword. Yeah, hundred uh, percent. And, and so that, kind of moves on to the next thing. Once you kind of get your setting down, once you get the type of game down, then you want to start working on characters. And so if you are working with a group that has played before, um, this can save you uh, a lot of time. And so it's, it's probably better to have your characters ready before the in-person session zero rather than wait till the, that session zero and create them at the time. Now, there, there are exceptions to this. If you are a, let's say, an experienced DM and you're leading new players through the game, um, then having a session zero where you help people create characters can be very helpful. Um, you can also do something like D&D Beyond, which is really nice because it does help lock people through. If you turn on the like, I'm a new player option mm-hmm. in their character creator, it will actually help walk them through completely how to create a character, which uh, kind of things to pick and stuff like that. So that can be really helpful as well. But ideally, you'll want to have a character in mind, you'll want to get at least the skeleton of that character created so that you can then start the back and forth with the DM on backstory or the here's my character idea. How does this sound for this setting? Or uh, will, do you think this will they'll fit? And then the DM can be taking all of these and go, all right, cool. The party's got this, 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 and this. Uh, because if possible you want to try and let people play what they want to play. Mm-hmm. Now there's, there's certain things that can happen, like certain parties, you know, party makeups can be much more challenging for a DM <laughs> than, than other parties. So like if, if everyone just uh, goes away from, okay, this is the setting. And then they all send you bards. Now, there, there, might, there might be some more group chat that needs to happen. <laughs> okay, everyone sent me bards. Is this really what you guys want to do? And if it is, then great. If that's something you feel like you can handle as a DM from an encounter perspective, both social and combat, great. Now you have a very interesting campaign on your hands. But... If that type of thing is not something you feel like as a DM you can handle or that you're ready for, that's, this is a good time to go, hey guys, I know this sounds fun, but I don't think I will be able to handle this well as a DM. Because so, remember, it's collaborative, so the players and your, your feelings as a DM matter too. Mm-hmm, exactly. Uh, that being said, 
now I just want to run or be in a an acapella group in Dungeons and Dragons. Just a whole that bunch would be of so incredible. <laughs> that would be so I mean, incredible. Just think about it. Just start off at level three. Everybody has a different college, so that you have some people who are really good damage dealers, some good spellcasters, <laughs> some good maybe tanks, and there you go. You you've got a, a full acapella group right there, four people. And uh, just, you know, adventure through town, singing your own praises the whole time. It would, that would be a very interesting group. No question. Yeah. Oh, you know what? I bet that is out there somewhere, somewhere. But I mean, the, the biggest takeaway that's, uh, that I think anybody should take from what you just said is that as a DM, your feelings, your wants, your needs actually are just as important as the players. And Kind of like how you said, collaboration is really where this this all comes into play. Uh, the biggest thing is communication. You know, don't don't feel like you have to completely give up your hand because someone wants to play a warforged paladin from space. You know, it. I, I don't. I don't know. Just thinking of just random things. You know, it's it's one of those things where everything that happens in the world kind of needs to have at least a little bit of sense. Otherwise you might be fighting the whole time to, you know, kind of, you know, suspend disbelief and everything. And it's, it's something that can be very challenging. Sometimes it's not, it all depends on kind of the concepts that everybody's coming up with. And if you do come across something that is just really out there, then see what you can do to maybe help dial it back if you can't actually fit it into the, the, the type of world that you're trying to run. Yeah, uh, 100%. It's always better to work with the player to try and get something they can be excited about. Mm-hmm. Because that's, that's one of the whole reasons to have this, this pre-work, this session zero, is you want to make sure that everyone's on the same page and that everyone is doing something that they can be excited about because if everyone is able to play something and be a party that they're excited about then it's going to be a much better game in general exactly and even you know having multiple of the same classes can still work too especially if you kind of broach the topic of okay well how are you wanting to play this cleric you know is it going to be more of a a a war cleric where they're actually in the mix fighting everything is it going to be more of a, a healy cleric where they're just kind of standing back tossing heels out which as someone who played as a healing cleric, trust me, that's not the only thing you do. <laughs> but I mean, depending on what domain they go in, they're vastly different types of play. You know, we've talked about numerous classes where that is the case, like the monks specifically. There's, you know, very much damage dealing monks. There's more tank styles. There's range styles. It, there's always some sort of difference that you can actually, you know, take if you find, you know, two of your people wanting to play the same type of class. Yeah, and on those same lines as well, this this pre-session zero type work is actually a, a really good time. We talked a little bit about coming up with backstories, talking mm-hmm. to your DM. This is a, also a really good time to discuss any potential character relationships. Yes. Um, we have, in, in our session zero specifically, we have actually both me and Ben <laughs> uh, have characters that we're playing that are siblings. And so one of the things that we did pre-session zero was we established some shared backstory 
that then we could share with our DM. And so we are, and the, the nice thing is going into that session zero, we had some of that established, some of those relationships uh, and connections established already, which again, saves time going into it and helps you just in the long run. Exactly. And just working with you, you know, figuring out, you know, who our parents were, what they did, why we are either adventuring together, why we start out separate, you know, just tiny little things like that, that kind of start the, the whole sequence of events works really well. In fact, one of the things that I think is very important for a session like this is it adds an opening to the campaign that you don't normally get. You know, there's all the generic things of, oh, you met at a bar. And for some reason, everybody's just kind of together. I mean, that's how my players met in my game because it was just going to be a one shot. So who cared, you know, and then it turned out that it just kind of continued more. So it's like, oh, let's figure out reasons why they're sticking together now. And you know, that that's always fun. Whereas, with a session zero, you can have them meet up in various different ways before they get to said bar to get their first job. Yeah. And I, that kind of harkens back to a little bit to the very first campaign IDM that's, that's still going um, is we didn't really technically have a session zero. We had like a session zero in, in spirit that, that I as a DM kind of did because when when we did our first actual session the the whole thing from it was you guys met in the mountains you encountered this hurt ogre you guys worked together to take it down and you decided that their sa- safety in numbers is good and that is why you currently are together as we start this so all of right at the beginning, they've got a little bit of shared backstory together. They have a week plus of being together, of shared interaction. And then we turn that into what would you guys have revealed? What would you guys have talked about? That type of thing. So it was something we could have actually, if we had a session zero, we could have played that out. Mm -hmm. But, But in this case, in this case, we didn't. But that is one thing that you could do uh, and it can help establish um, relationships. It can help establish themes. It can help establish your character voice, so to speak. And that doesn't necessarily even mean I'm talking like this in a voice for my character <laughs> or I'm talking like this. No, it's, it's more just like, what is your character's personality? What are their likes and dislikes? Like what is their general um, thought pattern? That, that type of thing to get, establish uh, some sort of cadence with your character. Exactly. And, you know, one of the things that you kind of learn as you go deeper into a campaign is the understanding who and what your character is really about. You can always go into it at the very beginning with ideas, but until you actually, you know, spend more time with them, you don't really get a full view of, you know, their character. It's funny going into this session zero, I had to keep reminding myself that I wasn't a different character that I was playing a bunch before because it's someone different. They've had different experiences. And I was really glad that I was able to get that time to kind of, you know, spend with them before jumping into Acclimate. the main campaign. Yeah, exactly. And uh, in, in our, in, or our case, um, 
we actually kind of all for the most part got tricked by our dm of just you know meeting up to talk about you know the campaign and our, our individual characters and then he just threw a, a small little play session at all of us and by jumping into that i was able to really get a good feel of okay this is kind of what i'm doing this is the reason why i'm doing this and then it ended on a cliffhanger that i'm like i have no idea what happened to my character after this point and then you know first of all this this is turning into like a, a big hey you should listen to plus five to hit the next episode that you comes should. out you should if like if small small sidebar if there are any time to start this next episode is definitely it because it's, it's brand new zero <laughs> yeah, brand new new characters and if you can't tell we're both super excited about it yeah and the thing is is the way that that our dm uh put it together was you know we all had our like kind of little mini sessions and then we all sat down together and talked about the setting talked about kind of where we felt our character would be in this place and you know kind of really set up a big structure for just the very beginning of this and it worked out really well and then after that we played out some of those scenarios and ended up you know bringing a group closer together into something instead of just again just just meeting at the bar because well spoilers we're gonna end up at a bar for the art for session number one for episode one of this arc we're starting at a bar and we have those backstories in a very non-traditional way yeah exactly we have those backstories already started and introductions are made and there's reasoning for all this that's kind of going on and it had nothing to do with the actual module that we're going to be playing and it was you know woven together in in a great way as a prime example of how much good a session zero can actually be for a group. Yeah. And so before, and so, yeah, let's, let's kind of jump into that. So all this stuff we talked about, most of that can be done pre session zero. Mm -hmm. This can be done in that group group chat that you're having together or one-on-one -on -one with the DM or one-on-one -on -one with another player. If you have something like the shared relationship, you get all that lined up, you get it all ready, you set your date, you all get together for your session zero. Before you even play, there's a few good things that you can do. You don't have to do all this, but there are huge advantages to doing some of this stuff before you jump in and start playing. So number one is uh, discuss your, your themes. As, as a DM, discuss your themes and uh, discuss potential topics of comfortability. Mm -hmm. And so this is, this is a big thing, and um, I have to give a shout-out to Ro because he did this for our, our session zero, and it was, it was really good because we are running uh, Rhyme of the Frost Maiden for, for this next, uh, at least the, the first chunk of hopefully what will be an epic journey. <laughs> That's what we're all hoping. Uh, will be Rhyme of the Frost Maiden. Mm -hmm. And Rhyme of the Frost Maiden has some potential uh, horror undertones and themes. Mm -hmm. And he actually came out and said, you know, how much uh, are, are you comfortable with this? How much do you want to play this up? Do you really want me to really try and play this up? Is this just something that's one of those, if it happens, it happens types th type things. And it was really good. Cause then as players, we can say, oh yeah, I'm here for the horror. Like let's, <laughs> let's go all in. Or you could say, 
whatever, you know, or there might be someone who's just like, I am not super comfortable with mm-hmm. the horror type stuff. And so from that as a DM, that information is so invaluable because then you can go, okay, I got one person who really likes it, two people who are indifferent and one person who isn't a huge fan. And so from that, I can then set players' expectations and then set expectations for myself on the level so I can say, okay, I will probably dial this down to low mid-range in that, in that department um, to, to help um, try and accommodate everyone. And there's going to be times <laughs> where if you pull, pull like four players and two are strongly one way and two are strongly the other way, there's going to be times when you can't do <laughs> both. Yeah. And so then you just talk. The you gotta, yeah. You see if, <laughs> see if meeting in the middle is good and then try and, and compromise, but being able to do that. Um, and it might not be horror. It might be like, this could be a very dark campaign or it could be, I'm uh, planning on running this campaign in a pretty lighthearted manner. There, there might not necessarily be, a lot of like darkness and all that, <laughs> all that kind of thing. And so it's, it's good to set those expectations. And then it's also good to get the player feedback of what they're hoping to get from it. Exactly. And I mean, in our particular case, it, it kind of surprised me what my answer was. Cause I'm not a horror fan really at all. Like I don't play scary games. I'm not into horror movies or anything, but in this instance, the idea of actually, you know, touching on some of those tone or tones and, and kind of working with it and stuff. It, it, it sounded like it could be fun in, in a different perspective from what I'm used to. So I'm like, yeah, I'm all in, whatever, let's do this. And just having that discussion beforehand, one warned me of it, which was good, but two kind of just made me more open to it as well. Just be like, Hey, flat out, this is what's going on. And I know that if, you know, we get to a point where I'm just like, I'm not sleeping at night because I'm constantly thinking of these horrible, horrible things that are happening. Um, I'm pretty sure everyone's going to be like, cool. Cause going back to one of the major tenets of any sort of role-playing group, communication and trust are very important. And like having a session zero and just discussing things, various things that could potentially pop up or, or go in one way or, or another really helps build all of that. Like yeah. it, one of the things too, that I, you know, I really wanted to make sure of is that, um, you know, I spoke to Ro about this before we even played the, the session zero and everything is that, so I'm, I'm playing a bard. I'm not a traditional bard of, Hey, I'm going to go and, you know, try to sleep with every single thing I can see in town. You know, like the, the whole stereotype that's all over the place. Now it's like, that's not how I play. That's not what I'm in this game for. You know, I'm in there as a storyteller, as opposed to a, let's just see how much offspring I can create in the entire game. You know, it's, it's not that sort of thing. Not that, that he would throw that at me because I'm just a bard, but I just wanted to make sure it's like, this is where my comfort level is is on this, which is like kind of a stereotypical thing. Yeah. And I, I think you make a really good point. That's, that's another thing that you can discuss with, with the party as a whole. Um, how do you guys want to run this? Do we want to keep this in a more like PG type 
thing? Do we want to keep this in like a, a, a PG-13 type thing? Do we want to keep this in like an R type thing? Uh, and there's definitely several categories you can go through, like, you know, like sexuality, violence, um, themes, uh, I don't know, gore, <laughs> like some, some people, some people really love like the visceral combat descriptions and some people, it just really makes them squeamish. Mm -hmm. And so uh, getting that, especially as a DM who likes to do narrative combat, because I personally think it makes combat a lot more interesting than just like you hit. Cool. You hit. Yeah. Oh, you missed. Uh, then you dodge out of the way and the club comes smashing down, breaks off this huge piece of, of rock from where you were just standing on. And so like you can, you can get a lot of that, but again, you, it's, it's sometimes, especially if you don't know the people super well, some mm -hmm. of this, some of this can be uh, avoided or, or skipped depending on how well, you know yeah. the you know the pe the people if the people are all really good friends you've known each other for a long time you probably have a better idea at where comfort levels are for certain things but if it's a, a newer group or people you don't know that well these types of things can be very handy to talk about beforehand exactly yeah and it, it again trust communication all comes down to that building up the world placing the characters into it and figuring out kind of how everything's going to begin is essentially what it all comes down to. And then finally, one of the, one of the last things before you jump in is information. Mm -hmm. So this is, this is really key stuff. So if you as a player have something in your backstory that might be relevant for a, more than one thing going forward, like say an organization or some specific people or whatever, those are things you want to make your DM aware of so that they can then integrate them into the world. Mm -hmm. um, and as a DM, be, I, you don't have to, but I would highly recommend you be very open to this, especially at the beginning of a campaign because that's where most of the creativity can flow. That's where things are um, the most malleable. And so yeah. being able to say like this character has this backstory and these people in it or this organization in it or these particular ties or whatever, then being able as the end to take those and bring them in and integrate them into the world collaboratively with a player because the player might go, hey, this is the organization this is kind of what they do. This is kind of the stuff or here's the people I knew. Here's how I knew them. Here's maybe where they were, et cetera, et cetera. And so the DM can go, awesome. I can take these and now I can drop them in. And now this can be an established organization in the world. These can be established people here, here, and here that you might end up meeting or, or seeing again at some point. So having all that type of thing beforehand is really good. So that's like the, the pre-information. But then once you're in the session zero, as a DM specifically, make sure you give them all the relevant information that their characters would need to know about the world. Mm -hmm. So like in this case for Rhyme the Frostmaiden, we kind of went over uh, what is Icewind Dale a little bit. What are the 10 towns? Um, maybe if, especially if you're running a um, pre-created module, 
throw up some maps and be mm-hmm. like, hey guys, here's a map of the large general area we're in. You guys are starting here. Uh, you may have been here, here, and here. Uh, that way, as a player, you can get a good sense of like names and being able to see some of that stuff, which might help relieve a few of the, would my character know that? Would my character know that? There's always yeah. going to be some of that. There's far too much information, even in a, <laughs> even in like a, a module run campaign, let alone a homebrew world. That's, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, that could, that could be crazy, but there's, there's always more information than your player will be able to retain well. <laughs> so there's always going to be some of that, but you can alleviate some of that initially by saying, here's the stuff you all know. Here's some general overview so that I don't have to constantly ask, like, where are we? Or what was the name of that or whatever? And is it cold outside? Yeah, is it, is it cold outside? Yes, because we, we found <laughs> out, yeah, it's, it's twilight pretty much or or dark pretty mm-hmm. much 24 hours a day this in in the area we're in so it's it, that's really good information to know and as a player i cannot stress this enough take notes yes take notes it's it's one it's uh you, you don't have to but good golly it takes so much <laughs> weight off the dm if you just take some notes because then you have something to go back and reference. And that's one of the things that I'm going to really try and do this next campaign that we're playing is try and keep relatively good notes at the, at the least anything pertaining to your character. You don't have to take notes about everything that pertains to everyone. Mm -hmm. Some people do. And if you want to, that's great because that can actually end up helping other people down the line. But for things that are specific to you and pertain to you, try and take good notes for that because it will help you a lot later on when you're trying to remember stuff and you'll have to ask that, would I know this or who was that or whatever to the DM a lot less and make them go back through all their notes or make them say, oh, did you not write that down? (laughs) Especially if you get loot, make sure you write that down because after I give it, I don't care what it was anymore. It's important. <laughs> In one ear and out the other. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, it's funny because, like, I've really been doing what I can to, to uh, write down notes, especially for the various characters that I've been playing. I have a character who's not all that bright, and I write notes in his perspective with his words. And I write down names wrong. I write down things possibly misremembered. But it... it it's something to just kind of be able to look back and, and, you know, kind of try to remember stuff with like, I have this, this Goliath Ranger who's not that bright. And there's these names that I still don't really truly know what they are. Cause I wrote them down wrong. And I'm like, oh, yeah, this, this random person with this bride name or something, you know, whatever. I don't know what it is. And like looking back on some of those notes, like I sit there and laugh. I'm like, well, no, that's what he paid attention to. And this is the lesson that he learned from this thing that happened, even though it's definitely not the right thing he should have learned, but it is. And when we started our session zero, I, you know, I took notes in my, my solo little session. And then also the, the, the one where we were all playing at and 
a bunch of stuff happened that I had nothing to do with. And I was just so transfixed in watching that I'm glad I didn't have to remember any of that for my own note taking purposes. Cause I'm like, this is great. I love what's happening right now. So that being said, when it is your turn to play and talk and do stuff, try to still remember to take those notes. I know it can be really hard, especially if you're in the moment, if anything, try to just, you know, jot something down shorthand in some form or when the session's over go back and write down everything that happened because it will be just valuable information as time goes on you know i i don't know how you are but as a dm i like to you know give information for other happenings around the world whether it's rumors from different places or just you know little bits here and there and you know, there's some, some plot points that I drop here or there that, you know, might be picked up, might not be, but the players who have the notes are the ones who usually make those connections and stuff before I, you know, do a blatant, Hey, this is what's going on. And, you know, it's rewarding to me as the DM to see that happening. Totally. totally. Yeah. That's, those are, those are some of my favorite moments when the players can put stuff together that you've been teasing before you actually fully reveal it in yeah time. exactly and it's just it you know means that they're paying attention and enjoying what they're doing it helps as a dm that's very gratifying to us guys yeah we, as, we appreciate that <laughs> because i mean as much as the game wouldn't happen if the dm wasn't there sometimes it is a thankless job but that being said the players put in a lot of work as well and it's just you know, collaboration, communication, everybody working together on this. And, and that may be your session zero. That may be the end of it right there. You, you finished talking, you finished flushing everything out, you finished giving information, and that, that may be it. That may be a good spot to call it and say, all right, guys, I think we're ready to go. We can jump straight into this thing next time, or depending on how long it took, you might have time to jump in and start and just start. Uh, so just don't worry if your session zero does not include much, if any actual play. Yeah. Like that's, that's okay. That is still a successful session zero. Session zero does not have to contain any sort of play. But if it does, bonus. The only way a session zero can really fail is if there's no session one. <laughs> and in that case, it's probably for the best. Yes. <laughs> most likely things came up in your session zero that meant that this is probably not the right way to do it. This is not the right setting. This is not the right group to play together. And that's, you want to know that like it's, it sucks. It does happen from time to time. It sucks. But in a lot of ways, it's better that it ends there than you playing for a few weeks or months and finding out I'm not having fun or this is getting uncomfortable or we are just not meshing. Yeah. You might find that you burn out a lot faster that way. Oh, and switching topics. What a, what a great transition by Ben Baumhofer. I try. Uh, yeah. Let's, let's talk about burnout. This is, this is always a hard hard topic to talk about mm -hmm. because it's <clears throat> i 
was one of those things. I actually, I actually tweeted this out the other day, um, just kind of in regards to burnout. Don't look at burnout as something that says you did something wrong. Yeah, exactly. Because a lot of people can take burnout or, and let's, let's kind of define burnout. So burnout is basically just some sort of apathy or uh, disinterest or whatever in a specific topic Mm -hmm. or a specific form of entertainment or work, or you can burn out in just about anything really. We're, we're talking specifically about D and D, but it's one of those things where it's, it's, it's a universal in, in just about everything you can, you can burn out in just about everything, but know that burnout is not your fault. There are a lot of things that can, can cause burnout. And so it, the the idea of this is we want to avoid burn, <laughs> burnout if we can. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's not avoidable, um, and sometimes and sometimes burnout is basically just your body or your brain's way of telling you you're doing this particular thing in a wrong way, or you're doing this particular thing in a way that is not healthy, or you've been doing this particular thing too long. You need a break. Yeah, um, and that's and that's kind of what what burnout is um thoughts uh thoughts can change moods can change habits can change life situations can change um there's there's so many different things but it's good to start um to have burnout always in the back of your mind so that you can try and go about things in a healthy manner to prevent that as much Mm -hmm. as possible exactly and it it's one of those things where if you're aware of it, if you really have a concept and like understand yourself and your own limits, it can help out a whole lot. In fact, um, gosh, I don't remember what episode it was. I talked about it, but it was probably within the last month, maybe two or so where I came to the point where I had to actually, you know, tell my group, Hey, uh, we, we have to stop playing weekly as much as I enjoy it. I cannot sustain this anymore. Uh, a big part of it is because, you know, I spend a lot of time during the week podcasting, you know, some shows are every other week, some shows are every week. And on top of that, I have a demanding job. So plotting out, figuring everything out for D and D it was okay. You know, podcast and work during that week. Then on Saturday comes around prep for D and D for a big chunk of the day, run the session. And then, like the only time that I had to myself was Sunday. And then that night I have raid and you know, it's like my time that I had just started getting smaller and smaller. And I'm like, I'm going to burn myself out. I want to keep playing this game. It's something that I, I need in my life, but it's also killing me at the same time. So, you know, we switched from one week to every or every week to every other week. It's helped out immensely. It, it actually completely curbed that burnout phase to the point where one, I'm looking forward to D&D nights so much more than I was before. And even then I was excited for them. It gives me more time to kind of prep, think about things. And on top of that, I know that it gives the players more time to just kind of, you know, want more, want to play. And, you know, gives them time to also be able to just kind of, you know, have some time to themselves, do things that they need to and stuff. And, you know, I'm, I'm not uh, jeopardizing a Saturday night every single week. 
Yeah, I was I was actually talking to to a buddy the other night about this uh, same kind of thing. The one of the biggest things is know your limits. Mm-hmm. Know your limits because there's a lot of things that you want to do, but they may not be feasible or they may not be healthy to do. Yeah. Because um, I was uh, as, as we were having our conversation, I was like, I want to play D and D weekly. I want to, I want to run my game weekly, but I don't because I know that I would kill myself. I have two games I DM and I have one game I play in. And I had a second game I play in, but um, the DM got burned out. Mm -hmm. And and I can talk through that a little bit here in a bit, but um, prepping for games as a DM is a lot of work. It is a lot of work. There's a lot of time and a lot of effort that goes into it. And if you've only ever been a player, um, it can be hard to, to understand that sometimes how much, because your DM most likely puts in probably multiple hours planning for, for every hour of gameplay for every hour of gameplay. If not more, some, yeah. some do more, some do less. Uh, but on average, there there is usually several hours of prep involved, especially when we play once every few weeks, uh, like we do now, because mm-hmm. um, we play for four or five hours, and so it's it's one of those things where that's that's a lot of prep, that's a lot of time, that's a that's a lot of focus, and especially now, it's it's a little different than it used to be because. For me now as a DM, if I'm running a one shot or if I'm running a game in like the level one to five, one to seven range, mm-hmm. I can knock out a prep of that in no time. Yeah. That's, that's, not a, that's not a big deal. My main campaign that I run right now, they're level 11. Like the, the prep, as, as the levels get higher, the prep and the preparation that the prep and the preparation the preparation just <laughs> not going to shorten it and say the full thing the preparation itself gets a lot more complex yeah and a lot harder because not only are they dealing with these much bigger situations but from a an encounter standpoint balance and challenge become so much bigger of an issue than they were back in the the earlier days exactly and you know a one shot i mean for geez for our christmas episode last year which i can't believe it's been as long as it has been you know we we threw a one shot together in what 15 minutes and you know other than just you know creating the the actual stats for the monsters and everything was pretty much done it is something that's you know very easy to do but especially if you have something that is a, you know, an overarching story, something that you're, you know, really kind of leading them towards. There's a lot that goes into it. Like I got to tell you, having two weeks in between sessions is great because when I'm in the shower every day, I'm constantly thinking of Dungeons and Dragons and plotting things out and thinking of, of different ways that things can go and, you know, just building the world. And then I'm almost late for work. So then I have to stop. But it, it, it's one of those things where having more time is able to give me just that much more depth to put in place. So it, it makes me more excited for my games and yay, that's always good. But 
I, I, I don't think that I'd have nearly as much, no, fun's not the right word. I wouldn't have as much complexity if I was doing it, you know, week by week by week. You know, I, I was able to sustain it for a while because, you know, I had this, this great huge plot going on and, you know, I, I've got that figured out to a certain extent. So I had a lot of like kind of cushion to, you know, before I needed to really figure out, oh, what's coming up next. But as we're getting closer to that, I'm realizing it can go in a couple different ways. I'm still really undecided how something's going to be playing out and it's going to turn into one of those things where the players themselves are going to decide. But at the same time, I need to have the, the, the layouts kind of figured for the, all these plot. Like, yeah, it takes a lot of time to prep and I don't know what better way to say it of this campaign is on my mind a lot because I'm trying to make it the best I can for my players. So I get it. I really do. But here's the thing too. We're talking about DM burnout, which is definitely a thing. We're, you know, we're looking at it that way. Looking at it from a player perspective, the same exact thing can happen. Granted, you don't have the, the same sort of prep time that, that a DM does, you know, building the world or anything. And, and by the way, when I'm talking about DM prep, it, that's not only just like a homebrew world as well. Like if you have a module, you need to know the module. It takes a lot of time to prep that, to learn it, to For know sure. what's going to happen there as well. Like very important. Like I want to make sure that we're not making a distinction between the two of those. But as a player, you still need to, you know, kind of embody your character to really think about it. If they have a tragic backstory or something that is, you know, very effective on you, maybe you don't want to spend as much time in those shoes other than, you know, short bursts, you know, every few weeks or, or so. Um, you know, players also get busy. This is one reasons why one of the big jokes of, um, you know, the genie has three rules, you know, don't kill anyone. Don't fall in love. I forget the, Oh, don't raise anyone from the dead. So then he asks for a consistent Dungeons and Dragons group that plays every week. And then they make that a fourth rule. They can't do that because it's impossible to do. <laughs> it, oh, it's, so true. Yeah. It's, it's one of those things where players also get really busy, you know, work can overwhelm them. In fact, on plus five to hit, we had to shuffle around the, the, the player base a little bit here and there because you know, work became too overwhelming for certain members of the group. And, you know, they stepped away for a bit and it's really sad, but sometimes you have to do what you have to do. And as a player, it's easier to kind of step away and not affect the game as much than it is for a DM. But even then, you know, again, it goes back to communication, talk to everybody about it, let them know what's going on. Maybe overall, the, the game needs to, you know, take a break for a month or something. And then everybody kind of comes back and, and feels all refreshed. Yeah. And I think that's, that's an extremely good point because um, everyone, you, you kind of know yourself. Uh, you can, you can usually have a pretty good idea um, as a player or DM after a session, how it went. Like you might not know exactly how it went, but it's especially, in person, especially, but usually uh, most of my players will have cameras on and stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, as a DM, I'm constantly looking at, at body language. Like, are these, do these players seem interested? Do they seem like they're having fun? Does it look like they're checking out? That type of thing. And so um, you, can, you can check in with players 
afterwards, you can check in with them individually to see how they're doing. If, if for some reason, like it seemed like they were having an off night or um, it seemed like uh, there was, there was some like level of disinterest or uh, Mm -hmm. non-participation that is, was abnormal or something like that. And that it kind of goes back to communication. But at the same time, uh, as a DM too, when you're talking about burnout and all this, I know that there is, there is a, like a nagging in the mind sometimes where it's, I don't want to let my players down. Mm-hmm. I don't want to let my group down. And as a player, you can kind of get this a little bit too, but usually, usually the game doesn't hinge on one player. Usually. And, uh, but usually the game does hinge on the DM <laughs> <laughs> because without the DM, there's, there's really not a game. And so sometimes as a DM, um, you can get this feeling of, oh no, if I stop, the game's going to die or I'm going to be letting all these people down or whatever. And it's, it, they're, they're valid feelings to have. They are because uh, it's just the nature of a game. A lot of tabletop RPGs mm-hmm. that the DM is a, a fairly critical piece of the, the whole puzzle. Um, but you have to be able to recognize those times. And again, like Ben has been saying, communication is, is so key and the trust and the relationship between a DM and players, because as a DM, you need to be able to also feel like you can reach out and say, Hey guys, I haven't been on my game. It's like work's been tough or family life's been tough or whatever, whatever the situation is. Or for some reason, um, I'm just, I'm just at least right now losing interest. So I think we need to put a pause mm-hmm. because you can keep going when you're in that state. The problem is you're the more you do that. And the longer you do that, having that for a session, that's fine. We all, we all get in our, our slumps every once in a while, Yeah. but having that any, for any sort of long term will inevitably lead to, it affecting your game, affecting the quality of your game, affecting the enjoyment the players are having. And doing that kind of thing for too long can actually lead or or cause player burnout and potentially even like implode the entire game. Mm -hmm. Because no one's, if if you're not having fun, chances are most people aren't going to be having fun. If, especially if, from, if you're the DM. Uh, if you're the DM and you're not having fun, chances are the players probably aren't having fun either uh, since you're in a lot of ways setting the tone. And so learn to recognize that and learn to, learn to tell yourself it's okay to take a step back, to take a break, and to take a take a hiatus if you need to, and I've and I've got an example of that. My other player game, as I mentioned, uh, our DM and we the group is fairly tight knit. And our DM basically posted a big thing in our Discord and is like, "Guys, I'm just not feeling it right now. Like I'm just I'm just burned out." And one of his reasons was online play. Like the online play was just, has just been too much. Like he, he wants to go back to in-person. We've got a huge pandemic going on right now. And it's just one of those things where we just, 
can't really do in person yeah. right now. And so it was, it, it's one of those things that's been wearing on him and it, it's been, a, it was affecting the quality of the game. And, and so I'm really glad he basically threw that out there and it was just like, this is the deal because everyone was super supportive and it was, and it sucks in some ways, but overall it will be better for the health of the game long-term and everybody involved just take a step back and take a break for a little while, then try and keep something going that inevitably no one will end up having fun with. Exactly. And that's one of those things that, you know, it, it's, it's the whole idea of like a half-life of a game, you know, not half-life the game, something entirely different, but you know, you, you can just keep it going if you want, but it just, you can tell it's, it's not as much fun. Not everybody's into it. Like if you start having the feeling of, ah, oh, time to play D and D it, it's not the, like that right there is the thing that says, Oh, we need to stop in some way or some there's something. Form. There's something wrong that needs to be addressed. Exactly. Like, Every single time that you're saying, oh, we're about to play D&D, it should be all, we're going to play D&D. It's, it's just simple as that. <laughs> but yeah, it's, it really comes down to, again, kind of like what we were talking about. It just, you know, how are you feeling? It, you know, some things hit people differently than others. And overall, just talk, trust. And, you know, that's one of the reasons why I love the group that I play with. Well, the, the multiple groups that I play with, they're all people that I can count on that, you know, they understand that life is a thing. It happens. Sometimes it gets you down and, you know, believe it or not, escaping to Dungeons and Dragons sometimes isn't the answer. And having the people to, to watch your back with that is really a blessing. Yeah, for sure. And so let's say, let's say you burned out. Let's say, You've done, you've done stuff to try and avoid it, but it's, it's become inevitable. You're burned out. Mm -hmm. um, what, what can you do to help? Well, first, you take a step back. You yes. remove yourself from whatever it is that you have burned out from because trying to stay within that sphere can and or will inevitably just make it worse. Um, and so most of the time, burnout is a temporary thing. It is just caused by overload of something that is affecting this specific piece of your life. So again, first step back, then what do you do? Well, there's a lot of things you can do to kind of cope with that or uh, refill your, you know, quote unquote, creative tank uh, that may be, may have been drained from, from this burnout. Uh, take a break, uh, read books. I find that, uh, well, I don't do a whole lot of reading anymore. It's mostly audiobooks these days mm -hmm. for me specifically. Um, but listening to, uh, fantasy sci-fi reading fantasy sci-fi can give you a different kind of break because it's not something that you have to create. It's not effort you have to put into other than basically just reading or listening, mm -hmm. but it's uh, can put you in a different sphere on the creative spectrum to give you inspiration uh, or to get you interested or excited about something again, playing games, uh, 
whether they be video games uh, or other tabletop RPG systems, mm-hmm. it's, it's possible. Sometimes you just get burnt out on a, a specific system. Oh, yeah. Sometimes you just need a change of scenery. And so maybe like I've been playing D&D for a while. Maybe it's time to delve into like Vampire the Masquerade for a little while. Very and that system, very different yeah, setting. Very different system and setting. Uh, could be just what, your brain needs to kind of switch gears a little bit and refill your, your creative, your creative process, your creative juices. Um, and in fact, we'll probably at some point do a whole episode on other TTRPG mm-hmm. systems um, that aren't D&D just because there's a lot of really cool, interesting systems out there. Uh, D&D is definitely one of the big, if not the biggest that is out there, but there are a lot of other really, really good ones. So jumping in and another one of those can be, can be a really good thing. Um, if you are like an always DM, try to be a player. Mm-hmm. I, having, having that load where you are always the DM can, can be heavy. And that can definitely cause burnout. If you are the only person who will ever, who is ever stepping up to the groups and saying, Okay, I'll I'll DM this one. Okay, I I really want to keep this group together. Okay, I'll DM this one or whatever. Um, Taking a step back and finding a group where you can just be a player and all you have to do is control your little (laughs) piece of the world. (laughs) Your little zone. (laughs) Yeah, your little zone that is your character can be super refreshing. Um, And so that, that can really help as well. Yeah, and you know... Like that being said, I think that's one of the things that has kept me, you know, or at least kept my creative juices going a, a lot more so than than not is the fact that I am a player in two different games right now as well. So, you know, but I never thought ever that I'd be in three different D&D games, but, you know, DM1, play in two of them. And it, it works out really well because, you know, not only can I learn different DM tricks and, and, and stuff from other DMs, but also just seeing how people interact, getting different, just different stories that are being told, you know, pulling from anywhere is how a good homebrew works. So, you know, just being able to just pluck this away and, and tuck it away for later and stuff is just a lot of fun. You know, it, it's one of the reasons why I listen to, you know, different D and D like just storytelling things on YouTube. Sometimes it's one of the reasons why, you know, I, I try my best to listen to a, a bunch of different tabletop, you know, podcasts and grand, I, I really don't have time for it, but you know, I hearing bits here and there, listening to how things are run in different ways and, and stuff just really helps out with my own burnout. And even though I'm kind of enveloping myself in this world, it's still a comfort and it's still, you know, inspiring. So you need to just go through with whatever it is that really keeps you going, keeps you inspired, keeps you, you know, loving, loving the game. And if that means stepping away for a bit to kind of recharge, that's what you got to do. Um, I, I completely feel you in that, in that particular respect, because I don't think I'd ever want to DM without also having a game I played in as a player. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I I feel like it really helps keep me grounded in some ways. It gives me, it continues to let me have that player perspective 
that I would be missing a little bit if I were only DMing. And so, and in some ways it, it helps prevent burnout because Definitely. I know there's, there's something that I can do that I don't really have to necessarily prep for. Mm-hmm. It's something, a place that I can go and just play versus, oh, I have to get all this stuff set up and prepped and ready and make these maps and whatnot. It's, it's very nice to have somewhere I can go and be like, okay, all I got to do is embody my character. That's, yep. that's all I got to do. And so that it's not, it's not a hard, fast rule, but as a DM, I always recommend that if you are a DM, you try and have a player game that you play into because not only does it help you keep perspective, it gives you another entertainment, fantasy, whatever escape that you can go to that you don't necessarily have to work for. Yeah. And also, this is something that we talked about with B Dave. It's the idea of, you know, when you're a player, certain things really, really suck that happen to you. And keeping that also in perspective when you're plotting things as a DM helps out the games so much more. So we really if you can do two games, it's highly recommended. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. Um, cool. Well, I think, uh, I think that covers, covers that pretty well. Um, so yeah. if you, if you guys have it, as always, if you guys have any comments on like session zero stuff, tips and tricks, um, burnout stuff, stories, tips and tricks, um, anything, anything around those topics, make sure to shoot us an email, uh, dndiscussions at gmail.com and we'd love to to talk those over with you or or talk about them on the show too so definitely keep that in mind um before we jump into uh our last little what are we doing in our game segment i wanted to shout out uh this cool thing real fast uh that just kind of uh came up it's a dm's guild product and it kind of goes along with um Theros, the Theros campaign setting mm-hmm. that, that recently that came out this year. Um, and so in Theros, uh, and it, it kind of also goes along the lines of the high level D&D that we were talking about last week. And this kind of came up and made me think about it. Uh, Theros introduced a new mechanic called Mythic Monsters, where these high level monsters you're fighting have some sort of mythic trait that gets activated at some point in the encounter that makes it much more difficult or much more high level. Uh, On the DMs Guild, there is a bundle of mythic encounters. It's called the Mythic Bundle. And these are uh, uh, three very well-crafted, well-made books called Mythic Encounters, Mythic Eberron and Mythic Encounters, the Bullywog Ascendant. <laughs> and that's, that, that last one is just a little more of a, of a side thing. But the Mythic Eberron and Mythic Encounters were uh, two very well-published, um, very uh, high production value books that were put together that have like 30 plus Mythic Encounters that you can use for your games. So if you are running a high level game, uh, Mythic Encounters, or especially in particular an Eberron campaign, Mythic Encounters of uh, Eberron, these are some books that you definitely should go take a look at because they are uh, very interesting. And the whole mythic 
standpoint uh, encounter design is, is also a very interesting thing. And so these can be great additions to your <laughs> monster repertoires. Very cool. Uh, I, so you do, uh, or you look around on the DMs Guild much more than I do. So I find out I'll tell much you. all my information from you. And it's there really is, easy. there is some <laughs> gems on there. There really is like, honestly, guys, if you haven't checked out the DMs Guild before and you're looking for specific things like extra races, backgrounds, magic items, spells, mm-hmm. monsters, there's also like, I, there's a, there's one book that I've been kind of looking at getting that's like monster manual expanded where it's just like monster manual type stuff, but a ton of variations like off of the monster manual, like different types of abolists, different types of beholders and, you know, all that sort of thing that you can get on the DMs guild. And most of these are very high production value um, and very interesting. And I, I love it because they can introduce a lot of variety because you may be in a campaign with someone who D and D is quote unquote, you know, old hat. They know all the stuff. They know all the, they know the monster manual by heart. They know all the, all the things, all the magic items and stuff. And so a lot of these DM skilled supplements can be really awesome for, for throwing in new stuff to, to kind of shake things up, to have a monster that, uh, that that person who knows the monster manual by heart might not know mm-hmm. what it is uh, and have no idea and get them go oh crap I don't know what that is what is that that doesn't <laughs> that doesn't work like like I remember remember it should work or something like that and so you can have some some fun moments or oh that's a cool magic item especially if you're not really big into homebrewing things yourself. Uh, there's a lot that has been done for you. So, uh, and most of the DMs Guild products are not super expensive either. So it's not like a, I'm spending $30 on a, on a D&D book or 40 or $50 on a DMD book. It's $5, $10, $750, pay what you want type things. Um, it can be great additions to your campaign. Yeah. And I mean, just kind of looking through some of the stuff, uh, I, I, basically just clicked on uh what was it just uh like magic items and gear and there's like tons of different books just things that are just there that are it's a plethora of of options of hey click on this you know and with the rating system and everything you can see you know what's popular what works really well there's comments that you can read to kind of give you an idea of what it is and i'm i'm definitely probably going to dig in a little bit and I'm going to do my very best not to just empty my wallet. It, it would be really easy. There, oh, there yeah. might be, uh, we're, we're almost, we're almost in November. May there's, there might be a black Friday sale coming up. Oh, that'd be nice. Who knows? That's one thing to keep in mind. Cause they, if I remember correctly, they had them last year. So that is, that's always a good opportunity to pick up a bunch of, a bunch of stuff that uh, might be, might be interesting, but support, support the creators. Mm-hmm, definitely if you support them they'll keep making cool content so definitely support them yeah all right uh so before we go as always uh we'll talk a little bit about what's going on in our games and it's been it's been a hot minute so uh, <laughs> a little bit so ben uh what's what's been going on oh 
oh my gosh, my players have just completely outthought me in so many different encounters. Don't you hate that? <laughs> no, I loved it. It was great. <laughs> so, okay, so there's there's something that's uh, you know first of all homebrew setting. So I I pull monsters and magic items and anything, everything. I don't care. You know, I don't need it to be Eberron in order to pull something from Eberron or, or Ravencroft Loft or whatever. I don't need that setting because it's my world i'm doing things that 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 i am having fun with and my players seem to be having fun too which is what matters so they've been going to this place called the wailing morass in search for the final orb that they need to find from this demigod that's you know it's created the world and destroyed it and created it and destroyed it trying to make the perfect world so they're going to the swamp to find these ruins of this town that was basically destroyed by a giant tsunami and storm and sunk into the swamp. And this place is just full of all these horrible, horrible things, you know, trolls, hags, there's giant crocodiles all over the place. And there are these monsters called the lost it's on D and D beyond. They're fantastic. And I'm like, we're going to have some fun encounters here. So they in, in retrospect, I should have designed some of these encounters better because as I've said many times, you're always learning. Yeah. I'm not good at at, at encounter design. I'm I'm realizing that I need to make them like 20 times harder than they are with 500 times more monsters and you know, stuff like that. So anyways, they run across a single lost as they're kind of venturing into the swamp and it runs at them and you know it's this horrifying thing and they 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 defeat it pretty heartily you know not super easy you know there's some damage that goes out so i'm like okay well they're scattered all over this place because you know it's a horrifying swamp called the wailing morass so they're going around some more they roll some darn good perception checks see two more far in the distance like you know good 100 150 feet away or whatever then my cleric, who never gets to cast it, is all fireball has a hundred and fifty foot range, so just oh my boom, does a fireball out there, which starts them off. Oh, bless you, kitty. Uh, which starts them off. You know, they turn around, they're gonna attack. All of my ranged players are just peppering these things well before they get there. It, <laughs> my arcade trickster does dancing lights in front of one of them and totally distracts it. So it's not running anymore towards everybody. And I'm just like, this is not going how I wanted it to go. Cause you know, I helpless, sure? helpless DM. Look, it's just like, no, my monster. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's at the point where the paladin who doesn't really have a whole lot of range attacks, she's just cleaning mud off her boots during this entire combat <laughs> encounter. And it was great. Like everybody's playing it. Well, they're just destroying these things before they even get close. And you know, they, they kill them and you know, to their credit, that's the way you would do it. They, they did a great job. I'm proud of them for, you know, changing that. In retrospect, I could have had four more come from the sides or something. You know, it's something that I could have done. But with the perception checks they were rolling, they saw them far away. I'm not going to, you know, punish my players for good rolls. There's there's no way I'm going to do that. So they were able to kind of, you know, handle the stuff before they were right on top of it, which is fine too. So then, you know, they continue to go. 
and uh, our sorcerer is casting water walking on everybody. It's a swamp. So they're actually just like speeding through the swamp. I'm like, this is great. You know, good, good on them for, for doing this stuff right. And then they're like, okay, well, this next hour, let's go ahead and just slog through the swamp. Let's see how it goes. So I'm like, okay. After an hour, constitution saves because walking through a swamp sucks. And everybody passed. I'm like, okay, cool. You know, then we did another thing of water walking. I'm like, okay, cool. And, you know, we're going through the swamp. They're avoiding stuff all over the place. And finally, they get to the point. It's like maybe two or three in the afternoon or so in game. And they start getting their first points of exhaustion. So they're like, let's have a long rest. I'm like, it's like two or three. They're like, that's fine. And I'm like, okay. So they, 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 uh, we have a bard who tiny huts it up. So they, they, or before they do that, I had them, you know, make a stealth roll. And I rolled on the side. And my role was way higher. So I'm like, oh, this is going to be great. But the things that saw them were more than a minute away. So Tiny Hut pops up and I'm just like, awesome. So then they had three giant or two trolls and a venom troll kind of walk past and, you know, sniff around and try to find them. But Tiny Hut's an eight hour spell. So they got bored and walked away. So completely bypassed that. I'm like, yep, yep. Good job, guys. Good job. And then, you know, so while these trolls are outside the hut looking for them and stuff, they're playing cards. <laughs> I'm just like, this Fantastic. is Fantastic. I just, I'm like, again, not going to punish them for that because it's a smart thing to do. You know what? So I'm like, okay, well, the eight hours is up. Like, okay, well, now we want to have our long rest for the night. I'm like, I'm not going to punish them for doing two long rests in a row because if I was slogging through a swamp, I'd want to sit down and rest for a while. And then if I just happen to just want to sleep after that, I'm not going to stop that. So then they had another long rest. I'm like, cool. Continued on the swamp the next day. They get to this, this uh, broken bridge where they can see like this, the steeple of the town hall just sunken in the water. Like it's the barely the only thing above the water. There's three giant crocodiles right there. So our bar just, speak with animals, roll super high on persuasion, talks him into leaving. So I'm like, great, no comment there too. <laughs> and I'm just sitting there, I'm like, they're doing so good. And I, I had, a, like, don't get me wrong, I had a blast with all of this. I thought it was fantastic that the rolls were going so high. And I'm just like, okay, we're not going to have combat. That's okay. So they have water walking. They're going over to where the temple is or the, the town hall is, and they're looking down at it. And at a certain point, everything is just stone underneath. So like not normal, you know, uh, building materials and stuff. So they're, they're at the, there's this underwater town hall that's completely made of stone, which is weird. Like even the, what the windows would be turned to stone, everything stone. So then our artificer does alter self, and then he's going to swim down and look around to see if, you know, he can get in or anything. And our sorcerer, who happens to be a changeling, copies him and swims down too. So I'm like, okay, cool. They find this, this uh, uh, hole, like this perfect like circle tunnel just in the water. So they kind of uh, swim through. There's the slime on the walls. They touch it. Nothing really happens. Like, okay, cool. Swimming through. Tunnel starts going up. They pop up, kind of look around with their heads above the water. Made him do a stealth check. And then they heard a rock fall. And we ended the session there. And that's that's it? You haven't played 
played since that one? Nope. That's where we're picking up on Saturday. (laughs) So the party is split. Yeah, party is split right now. So who knows what's going to happen? I'm curious because I know what's inside. Usually, (laughs) usually not good things. (laughs) Exactly. But I mean, they have an escape tunnel right there. They haven't even come out of the water into the, the, the stone room yet and stuff. So who knows what's going to happen. Like a, this is fine, but it's in a stone room. Yeah. And like, like five Medusas. Yeah, exactly. And they're all just like looking right at that hole. So (laughs) sure. It'll be fine. Yeah. Of course. Perfect. Um, But like, I'm, like I said, I'm very proud of them for just bypassing all this combat that I had set up that was going to like actually really hurt them, like do horrible things. And there's like, ah, whatever, playing cards as trolls walk by. It's cool. So I'm like, great. It was a lot of fun. Like, I'm proud of you, but. Mm. <laughs> well, here's the fun thing. They have to make it back through the swamp when they leave. So more chances. And Content. I learned from my mistakes. <laughs> <laughs> exactly um how about you like what have you been doing with uh your campaigns so uh my my mercenary my secondary campaign my mercenary group uh they have survived the flash flood they have they just survived a lightning storm um i i kind of tried they had to go up to the top of that hill yeah yeah so they were they were hiding out in one of the one of the old harpy nests and they they had done a little prep like the the fighter had set up a sword as like a, a lightning anchor over on another, another side hill oh, and everything. That's really clever. And I was just like, oh, yeah, that's really clever. And so I did, I did something uh, a little unique that I hadn't done before is uh, a lightning storm was coming. So I actually had all the players roll percentile okay. dice. Um, higher is better to see where lightning would randomly strike. They all rolled super high and they made <laughs> it out completely unscathed. That's good. <laughs> so I was just like, well, yeah, you know, lightning is random. It's not, it's not targeting them specifically. And they actually set up a few things ahead of time. So they, they did a really good job. Um, so they did that. They went and investigated the, the tent they had found. They got super good stealth checks to go up to the tent. Uh, <laughs> Very cleric decided to cut a hole in the side of it. Uh, roll went really poorly, so he started cutting, tripped, (laughs) fell straight, straight, (laughs) and left a left a cleric sized hole in the tent. But hilariously, nothing was in it. And one of the other ones was just like, I just walk in through the front. I was like, Oh, (laughs) so they they walked into this tent, and it's uh, you know, it's kind of a ritzy tent, like a more like a glamping type type situation uh, and they were just like "Ooh, this might be the the noble the noble son that we're looking for uh, and so they looked around they found uh they found a desk they were able to pick the lock uh there was a journal inside and i had actually written up a journal prop oh okay and so the person that found it uh she she was just like i look at the journal and i was like cool and i sent her the google doc mm-hmm. shared link and she's like oh <laughs> <laughs> and she started it's like oh i i guess i share this with everyone i was like okay <laughs> so i pasted it in our our little discord a uh, little discord chat and it's it's one of those things where it was just like i was kind of lamenting to myself i was like man because if this had been in person i would have actually written this up printed it out or put it in an actual journal and then handed it uh 
during the session, which would have been, you know, super, super fun. It's just one of those yeah. things. It's like, can't, can't do it. I miss it kind of, but it's, it's one of those things. I'll be able to do it again at some point. And this is, it, it gets the idea across at least. And mm-hmm. they, they had fun with it. So there was a lot of stuff in there. There's a few clues, um, some info about uh, this, honestly, like the, the noble son was kind of a, a real jerk. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> to be honest. Uh, and so they, uh, they had found this mining claim. And so uh, my players went out to try and find the, the mining entrance. Rolled terrible on their stealth check for moving, which alerted uh, a wonderful little family of boulettes, boulets. Oh, boulets. okay. I, I never know how to say that. I should look it up at some point. Uh, I call them land sharks. Yeah. No, much, I, I know much exactly easier. what you're talking about. <laughs> yeah. And so they, they miserably failed their stealth check this time around. And so that, uh, they have, the land sharks have tremor sense. And so that brought them straight to where they were. And then there was a, a big combat. Um, and it's, it's one of those things. It's just, again, it was, I, I brought one in. And then I brought the second one and a baby in the second round. Mm-hmm. They can do a lot of damage. They can do a lot of damage. Like yeah. for CR5 things, they can do, they can do, they can one shot a level five character. Yeah. I am. Like, I'm looking at so. the stats right now and yeah, they can, good. they can super one shot, but they only get one attack and they have, they have a decent amount of health. Again, as a DM, never underestimate your players. No, like, definitely not. They, the, the first one was almost dead at the end of the first round. <laughs> I had, and he had hit and done some damage. Uh, this party has decent healing. Um, not as much healing as, as my other party, but they have mm-hmm. decent healing. Um, but it was almost dead by the time the second round came and the other two entered the battle. Uh, and so even with all that, one of them for the, the, it was their very first time. One of them ended up going down, not dead, but mm-hmm. was, was down, but it wasn't, she wasn't down in a very bad position in any way. It was more like downed near the, the cleanup time, but, uh, they did, they did take some hits. Um, and so it's hopefully one of the things that I like to try and do with players, uh, especially earlier on in campaigns is try and introduce them to a variety of encounters and try and introduce them to uh, a variety of encounters where you may not be able to take a short rest or a long rest mm-hmm. in between them. Uh, that wasn't specifically this one, but it's one of those things. It's really good as a DM to teach players how to conserve their resources because uh, a lot of times, especially newer players, will always just turn to that short rest, long rest thing to try and get back up mm-hmm. full or get all their stuff back at the at the end of every fight. And that's not always going to be the case. You're not always going to be able to do that type of thing. So it's really good um, as a DM to teach your players conservation of resources because it will benefit them in the long run. See, I would have done that if my players hadn't bypassed all of the combats. 
Yeah, and then you'd have situations like that. <laughs> that's one of the things. Like they could have bypassed the whole the whole encounter, but they allowed. Mm-hmm. And and tremor sense uh, picks up, picks up. Oh yeah, loudness. definitely. Um, so that was that was kind of a, a fun thing. So they they did that. They ended up taking a uh, a long rest in the tent, and they're going to be heading into the the mine. They found some dead guards at the the front of the mine. And so they're going to be heading into the mine. So that's, that's going to be really interesting. And then my, my main campaign, they're, they're in the city of Erangel. Things are bad. They found uh, a survivor that one of my players knew. Oh. Yes, uh, was a childhood friend of his. Ooh, that's fun. So that was, that was kind of interesting. They found, uh, they, they learned that there are three soul conduits in the city, two smaller ones, and then a major one over at the large temple district of the city. And the, uh, the cultists and the demons and such are sacrificing, slowly sacrificing the inhabitants of the city wow. who are all trapped in these, in these camps and such. And they, they're slowly sacrificing. They, they saw a train of people heading that way. The, the survivor that my cleric knows was able to get one of the cultists to come over and he grappled with them. And that's when they kind of intervened mm-hmm. and, and ended up killing the cultists. And he was just like, Whoa, you're here to help. And they were just like, well, we're here to scout. <laughs> and in my mind, I'm thinking, yeah, sure you are guys. <laughs> <laughs> and so they ended up following the, the big train procession of people. They found the, the first conduit and they saw people getting sacrificed in this in this place and my <laughs> my uh my old standbys my barbarian and my my monk are just too good on the spectrum to let something like that go so they just yep. <laughs> just run charge right on in <laughs> oh that's great absolutely no planning no scouting they just charge on in and it was a heck of a fight absolutely a heck of a fight we we didn't even have time to finish it Ooh. the the first session we we got about an hour hour and a half in and then i was just like guys it's it's a little after midnight like i want to respect your time we we probably need to as much as i hate this we're at the end of a round we probably need to cut this off and just about everyone was just like can we just do this finish it friday can we just play again on friday and finish it and i was just like okay (laughs) so we had uh, it was the first session that that campaign has ever had of uh two weeks in a row very cool very so that milestone really so we ended up uh and it took a good chunk of that next friday we didn't play as long as we we normally did Mm -hmm. to to finish that combat several people went down a few times our ranger was one death save away death save roll away from dying he rolled and he saved but he could have died yeah oh yeah that's always the scary situation yeah Yeah. so he was able he was able to to save that off and they were they were able to get him up they were able to destroy the conduit which seemed to be feeding the huge large floating black orb and i i kind of narrated it as it blew up. There's this huge bright beam of light that came from the, the ritual circle with all the runes and stuff went up 
hit the the big black orb and you can see now these silver spider web cracks oh cool almost along one side of the black orb and it of course alerted everyone within like whatever so they had to skedaddle mm-hmm. out of there before crazy reinforcements came because they're they're beat to crap pretty <laughs> oh yeah <laughs> after that one this was this was a really big deal and this was just one of the two small ones and so the uh his friend led them into the sewer network where the rest of the the survivors who have managed to avoid uh, have avoided the camps have been hiding out they've been hiding out in these the sewer networks in the city so he's led them down there they're hoping to get some rest they're hoping to get some um some answers to questions and then It'll, it'll be interesting to see if they kind of try and liberate some of the camps, if they go scout out some of the, um, the, the other conduits, because it doesn't look like, from what they know, they're not going to be able to get into that hovering black orb section yeah. of the city that was torn out until they can bring whatever it is that's shielding it down. That's the thing the capital city has been constantly saying, we can't. We can't penetrate that. We can't get through it. Um, and so now they know the source uh, and they know what's feeding it. They don't know what it's feeding, yeah. or what, the, what they're feeding the souls into there. They just know that there is soul energy going into this large thing. They revealed some of the mass. Uh, they, the friend has talked about some of the masterminds he's seen when the city was first taken over these giant portals basically hell portals opening up because of some ritual completion that they could have stopped way back at the beginning, but they didn't. And it happened. (laughs) So, uh, so yeah, there's, there's a lot of interesting stuff. There's, uh, and there's a necromancer that's linked to my, uh, my monk, uh, that is there. He knows he's there and he's helping out. Uh, so that will be a, potential confrontation at some point it's is it's it's spicy ben it's that's it's real spicy it's really getting there that's they, pretty cool. and their level and they hit level 11 after after that big big fight so this is if all if all goes if all goes well and they don't all die this is this whole huge arc could probably will probably be several levels for them so very cool yeah i uh so since this is coming out on Monday, uh, yeah, my, my players are going to hit level nine after this uh, upcoming combat. I'm excited for oh, them because they, they've been eight for a while now. So it's, uh, it, it's, it's a significant thing, and they don't know that yet. Yeah, it is. And that's, that's kind of what I was telling my players. It's just like, guys, we're, we're in tier three now. We've hit it. And I've, I've told them multiple times, like, there's there's – usually some some amount of handholding in the earlier levels mm-hmm. as as a dm like if people do stupid stuff i'm i'm not going to keep them from dying from stuff that they were warned about constantly or <laughs> stuff like poor tactical decisions they made and stuff like that um but it's earlier on as a DM, especially if it's a new group, you'll, you, you sometimes will pull your punches a little bit mm-hmm. or you'll, you'll tune encounters that kind of way to just more teach than, than do it. But not, not always, but uh, it's, it's one of those things like, you know, first two or three levels uh, it's good to kind of break people in 
rather than just trying to kill them all the time. Yeah. But I was like, but like, especially post five, especially post 10, like gloves are off. Like this is, is what it is. Mm -hmm. There's no handholding. There's none of that. This is, this is the big time. This is the big show. There's lots at stake and enemies, uh, they don't pull their punches. Why should the enemies type thing? So yeah, that's one of the reasons why I need to get really better about balance and combat because this, this, it, yeah, I don't know. We'll, we'll see how it goes. Like, I think I've balanced this upcoming thing pretty well, but I mean, we'll see what happens and I've got ways to make it a little bit harder if need be. So yeah. Yeah. It's, it's one of those, one of those DM things is make sure you, you build in a little bit of flexibility mm-hmm. exactly. because you, you don't want to constantly be almost killing your players, but you don't want them to just be wading through everything. La la la. <laughs> like what is this this is this isn't hard this isn't a thing because that's that's not fun either yeah especially if it's something that's like this is a really important thing like the let's see yeah the last orb that they got it was a pretty rough encounter but they were pretty smart about what they did with it that's when they banished the one elemental closed the portal Mm -hmm. down Yeah, yeah yeah so like it could have gone a bunch of different ways, but they were very smart about it. You know, I have very smart players, which I'm not that smart. So <laughs> I need to make sure that I've got to cover for some of this stuff. Yeah. I'm going to, you know, I'll get you next time gadget. Like every single, <laughs> time, like, so yeah, I'm, I'm hoping this next one is uh, a little eye opening and I know what it's like to be a cleric where you don't heal a lot because there's no reason to, and I, I want to, you know, put them in the danger that this world actually has. So we'll yep. see how it goes. Yeah, I'm excited to hear about that. But until then, that uh, that brings us to the end of this episode. So before we head out, Ben, why don't you tell everybody where we can be reached? Uh, well, first of all, uh, make sure that if you have any questions or you know want to tell us about some of your stories, and it's uh, more than 280 characters, you can email those to us at dndiscussions at gmail.com. Um, I know that we did have a, a an email. I, I teased it on last episode about Guardian of Faith. I did answer the email, but again, this is something that um, we'll bring up and we'll talk about in the show because I keep forgetting to add it to the show notes, and that's my fault entirely. We'll get to it. It was a very good question and uh, I'm looking forward to actually discussing that a little bit. You know, finer details on some spells and how it's written is uh, one of those things that you can talk about a whole lot on. Uh, But other than that, if you do have something that falls within 280 characters or you want a faster response, you know, tweet at us. It's a great, it's a great way to contact us. It's at DN discussions. Ryan and I both have access to the account so we can both kind of, you know, put our, our thoughts and opinions in and everything. And even more so we both get notified when you send something to it. So yeah, we keep our eyes open. We'd like to hear from you. Now, Ryan, if people are looking for you specifically, what's a good way to contact you? You can find me on Twitter at TBK Zord. Yeah, and for me, you can find me on Twitter. I'm at Ben Bumhofer. Uh, last but not least, every single episode is on dndiscussions.com. You can also find us on everything. Basically, where you're listening right now, guess what? All our other episodes, also there. Nice sure. and easy to find. And 
even though I did say the last thing was last, this thing is actually last. Check out plus five to hits. Yes, especially now. Yeah, the, the most recent episode that's up is the closing end of our previous campaign. The new one that's coming up pretty soon here. I think it, come, it might come up the same uh, week as this episode or else yeah, it's the week after. It's, I believe, soon. soon. Yeah, I, I want to say it's episode 48, I think, is uh, it's going to be our session zero for Rhyme of the Frostmaiden. And as you heard, Ryan and I are both very excited about this campaign. And uh, it's a great place to step in. Yeah, for sure. Well, awesome. Well, that brings us to the conclusion of this episode. Until next time, have a fun time, get some games in, don't burn out, <laughs> and we'll see you soon. And make sure to be good to everybody, and may your dice always roll high. Dice? Dice. Dice? May your dice always roll dice. high. What am I saying? I can't even say things correctly. <laughs> oh no, it looks like I'm burning out. Ballette.